James Harden's going to sign their extension. His trade value is not there. And when you hear reports... Wilson paid $16 million of his $33 million salary. I know about people that have certain clauses what in their contract. What happens next year with Giannis Antetokounmpo? He will be eligible for a Supermax next summer. If he re-signs a new reality, the players are going to move around and the players are, are, are not going to want to spend their whole you know, life. And because they didn't want to go into the penalty of the luxury tax, they traded James Harden. Somebody's going to be making $50 Find a home. So, he probably could have made a little bit more money this summer in free agency. I think agency. he could have got a lot more in the offseason. Wow. You got a chance to secure the bag. You you secure, do. No question. What's going on, party people? I am your host, Stephen Bagel, and this is Sports Ethos' very own The Bird Reds Podcast. With me today, we have a very special guest. It's actually the first guest in a long series of offseason previews and team coverage previews that I am going to be doing up leading up through the season. We have Lauren gone from the gunshot podcast and she's going to be with us to discuss the Dallas Mavericks. So Lauren, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I, uh, I'm stoked to, to talk about the Mavs because there's certainly plenty to talk about. Yeah. So quickly, before we get into everything with the Mavs, obviously, you know, there's the Christian Wood and the JaVale McGee signings and Mm -hmm. there's the, Elephant in the room of, okay, you lost Jalen Brunson, so what are you going to do now? Right. Quickly, let's just go over the Mavs cap situation real quick. Mm-hmm. So, finally, it must feel nice. You guys are finally paying the luxury tax. You haven't mm-hmm. done that in quite some time. Mm-hmm. So, the, the Mavs were kind of the Knicks of the West in the aspect of they wanted to keep saving their cap space to try to land a big fish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it never really happened. But here they are, even without bringing Brunson back, they do, uh, excuse me, they are paying the tax. So that's just a caveat I'm throwing out there. Um, Mm -hmm. They have $165 million in committed money. And I'm looking at next year. And next year, the caps are projected to go up to, let's see, $100 and 33 million. So it's about 11 million increase. And you guys are sneakily might have cap room next year. I mean, mm-hmm. the class is okay. It's not great. But given you have guys like the Mavs have guys like Davis Bertans under contract and Tim Hardaway Jr., I mean, you could theoretically get up to about. 16 million in space mm-hmm. with who you have now, assuming you non-guaranteed Dinwiddie and Bullock, Josh Green doesn't pick up his player option. And if Josh Green doesn't pick his player option, I think you had about $20 million. Mm-hmm. But, and there's a guy I specifically want to ask you about, cause I've seen you've been tweeting about him mm-hmm. and you know, if you could, if um, Nico Harrison pulls off a big trade, all of a sudden, you know, you guys are playing with full max cap space. Mm-hmm. So I bring that up because the Mavs have kind of been in this quagmire where they have nearly had that second guy. Right. Obviously, when you trade, when the Mavs traded for Porzingis, they ideally thought he was going to be Luca's running mate. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, that didn't work out the way they planned. And then Brunson definitely emerges, okay, he's the second guy on this team. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, unfortunately, because of how he was signed when he after he was drafted, he's no longer with you guys. Right. So... Is I want to say that's probably the best opportunity for the Mavs mm-hmm. this upcoming offseason. They, they would have to do some maneuvers. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess before we get into Christian Wood and Brunson, mm-hmm. let's start with that potential trade I'm talking about. And mm-hmm. I, I do have some other potential moves and guys I like for the Mavs, but mm-hmm. I know you've been tweeting about it. What do you think about, you know, getting Russell Westbrook, who's on right. an expiring deal? You would save, let's see, about, well, he makes $47 million. Mm-hmm. White Powell isn't expiring. He'd probably be included. Mm-hmm. And you have Bertans and Tim Hardaway Jr. He'd get off the books completely. Right. Yeah. So there are, I mean, there are two packages. There was one that was discussed by Bleacher Report and then the one that that you're discussing now. And, and the one that you're discussing now that has Tim Hardaway Jr., Davis Bertans, and Dwight Powell, it would just be straight up for Russell Westbrook. And it would be strictly a kind of just a cap uh, financial. Uh, I mean, they both would be financial moves, both packages. But the second one uh, would include instead of Dwight Powell uh, and his $10 million expiring salary, it would be Reggie Bullock and mm-hmm. his remaining uh, 
his 10 million, roughly 10 million uh, a year for the next two years. And that would um, be for, for draft compensation on top of Russell Westbrook. And so um, as crazy as it sounds, if you'd asked me a month ago, I might've had a different answer for you, but now looking at the Mavericks, I really do feel like both of those, I've talked to myself into both of those deals because Reggie Bullock is an incredibly valuable contract for the Mavericks. He's, in, he's a very valuable player for them. But the problem with Dallas right now is that the way that they're set up financially is not a recipe for success. And so if they can find a way to get off of the Tim Hardaway, and, and t- don't get me wrong, Tim is a good player and if he comes back healthy this season, which it looks like that's the case and he's shooting well and he's scoring well, that's going to be added value for them. But paying a, for the most part, just a shooter scorer guy over 15 million is a bad value contract in my opinion. And I think in, in a lot of people's opinion. And so for the Mavericks, if they have an opportunity to trade, um, and get off of the Davis Bertans contract and the Tim Hardaway Jr. contract, by consolidating that and making a move for someone like Russell Westbrook, I do think it would be a really good move for them because while I don't, I actually would be very surprised one, if the move happened, but two, if Russell Westbrook actually stayed and played games in a Maverick uniform, I think if they do make that trade, the expectation is that he will get bought out. Um, That could always change. And there, there's a perfectly valid argument for, okay, well, the Mavericks don't have a lot of guard depth right now. They could really use that kind of guy off of the bench. Getting Russ to commit to come being okay with coming off the bench is a whole other problem or a whole other kind of thing to deal with. But if he were to be okay with that, it would be an opportunity for him to kind of rehab his reputation, kind of go the Chris Paul route, the veteran route, and and help get this team back on track. But personally, it's really hard for me to envision him buying into that role. It's just really hard for me to envision him being a part of the team. Um, But for Dallas, this is a fantastic opportunity for them to kind of hit the reset button from a financial perspective uh, and go into next offseason. And and, and like you said before, maybe the free agency class isn't necessarily overwhelming, but having cap space flexibility is something that they haven't had in a very long time. And if they can find themselves having cap space and potentially making signings that are maybe Something that the Knicks have actually been doing um, up like recently is signing guys to maybe high, high contract numbers, but short term deals with team options. Mm-hmm. If Dallas could do something like that or something that just makes it easier to manage instead of finding themselves having to commit to these four year, four year, sometimes four plus year uh, deals just to retain people, I think they would have a lot more flexibility and a lot more just. I guess, ability to, to, to maneuver and and switch paths if they want to. And right now it seems like a potential Russell Westbrook trade. If the Lakers aren't interested in, in moving draft picks, if they're not interested in that, this provides a good path for Dallas to reset financially and for LA to move off of Russell Westbrook while getting um, role players uh, without having to include draft picks. Yeah. And as you said in the beginning, if there's a way that, not only do you get the Westbrook contract and his expiring deal, but if you could mm-hmm. get a 27 or 29 first from the Lakers by getting off of Bertans off a contract and THJ's um, negative contract, then, mm-hmm. you know, that's a home run. And those, right. those are LeBron type teammates, Bertans, right. Tim Hardaway Jr. And Bullock. Those are three LeBron James teammates, guys who could pass dribble and shoot a little bit that, mm-hmm. you know, that those are the type of guys that thrive next to him. So maybe it's not as far fetched as, you know, people are thinking it might be. Right. I think a lot of people are, are are kind of looking at the Mavericks and they're they're kind of looking at the aftermath of the Porzingis trade. Oh, they're kind of stuck. They really don't have any moves to make. And and I kind of I, I can understand that. But like you said, if in the event that Dallas were to do a Reggie Bullock trade, they would take don't get me or do a Russell Westbrook trade that included Reggie Bullock. They would take a step backwards this year. Absolutely. Hands down. He was a huge part of what they put together last year, but Reggie Bullock and Tim Hardaway Jr. Specifically adding those to the Lakers formula, that would be a fantastic move for them because they have two guys who uh, Reggie plays really solid minutes, high volume minutes on both sides of the ball. Um, And Tim is the type of guy that they could really use uh, in terms of a guy that can catch fire, a shooter. Um, I think that that would be, those would be two those two specifically players that fit really well into the Lakers system. 
Um, and then for Dallas specifically, you would just have to be okay with taking a step back this year in a Western conference that loaded up this off season while they kind of just stood pat and lost Jalen Brunson, I guess lost Jalen Brunson brought in Christian Wood and Jaden Hardy. That was kind of the, the trade-off, which I'm sure we'll get to here in a minute, but, um, for Dallas specifically, the opportunity to, to reset financially just doesn't come by too often, especially in a way where you could potentially be moving off of one or actually it would have to be multiple bad contract, bad contracts while potentially getting draft compensation in, in return. Those types of opportunities just don't happen very often. Um, and I don't know that I would necessarily say, oh, yeah, put your money on it. It's going to happen. But whether it be this Russell Westbrook trade or even another potential trade um, at some point, I do think that it's something that they really should consider. There are several names out there this year and even next year of guys that will be on high volume contracts at the end of their deal that I think Dallas would be really wise to kind of look at and say, Hey, this is an opportunity for us to kind of reset. Yeah. John Wall would have been a good guy. I know you said, I, I obviously that's a moot point now, but I'm just thinking about mm-hmm. like that. Cause that's a guy that could have played alongside Luca that you wouldn't even have to theoretically buy out. But okay. Speaking of John Wall, let's talk about the rocketry that did happen. And that's Christian Wood. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my thing with it. I, I don't love Christian Wood as a playoff player, but we haven't seen him as a playoff player either. You know, he mm-hmm. has really been in a competitive situation since he, you know, became a starter quality type guy. Right. But you guys, the Mavs really didn't give up much for him. It was what, pick 24, 25, I think it was. And they still ended up getting Jaden Hardy out of the draft anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a, a very low risk, high reward move. Mm-hmm. It's just one that I don't know if it's going to pay off. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think for Dallas, um, obviously taking the Jalen Brunson of it all out of it and just focusing on focusing on the acquisition itself. Um, going into the offseason, it was okay. Or actually, I should say going into the draft. One of the guys that they interviewed when they had the 26th pick overall was Jaden Hardy because they and he and Jaden Hardy was invited to the draft room. So it was expected that he was going to go in the first round. And so for Dallas, before the draft even started uh, or before even draft day, and they had the opportunity to for this Christian Wood trade to come up, every single player that they traded in that player was not was the rotation. Guys. They were not making the rotation. And so for them to essentially just trade the 26th overall pick for Christian Wood, and then to get the got one of the guys that they were keeping their eye on in Jaden Hardy uh, at the pick. So middle of the second round, it was a slam, a slam dunk home run for them in terms of the draft, how it was handled, the trade that was made, um, especially with Christian Wood being on a pretty cheap contract and in being in the last year of his deal. This is kind of a, hey, let's just see how he does. Um, I really would. I mean, just looking ahead a little bit, I would really be shocked if they just let him walk. Um, if for some reason the fit wasn't great, I I feel like they kind of understand the position that they find themselves in and that they cannot just be letting people walk left and right. Um, it would be a, a, a very bad look. Um, and so for Christian Wood, I mean, if you look at the list of point guards that he's played with in his career, the list is not exactly overwhelming. Um, and, and, um, there was another list that actually came out. I want to say it was two or three weeks ago now that, uh, talked about the distance and, and, uh, most open three-point shooters, the guys that had the most in terms of distance, who had the most open uh, three-point attempts throughout the year. And the Mavs had, I believe it was three, but it could have been two people on the top five uh, in the entire NBA. And so for Christian Wood, a guy that can stretch the floor, uh, I do really think he's going to, um, it's going to bode well for him playing in a five-out system, playing with Luka Doncic, uh, whether he shares the floor a lot with JaVale McGee or not, I still think he's going to benefit being the pick and pop guy, uh, whether that be next to JaVel McGee or being a pick and pop slash pick and roll guy playing the five, which ultimately I think he's going to, to have to play a lot of. Um, so I'm excited to see what that looks like for him. And just from a standpoint of getting open shots because of how much gravity and attention Luca draws, uh, I really do think that that's going to bode well for him. And after losing Jalen Brunson, they're going to need that offensive production from somewhere. Yeah, and I, during the season, I had Lance Roberson on from Sports Illustrated. Yeah. And him and me really, you know, hopped on the idea of getting Rudy Gobert 
Just because, again, I, I'm personally not a guy who values having like an elite center. I mean, obviously, I'm a Sixers fan. And we have Joel Embiid. Right. But uh, I'm typically not, I'm not the guy who's going to give DeAndre Aiden the max contract unless I think he's going to be that level of center. I'm okay. going to go after the Kavan Looney's, guys like that. Mm-hmm. So even then, I said, imagine Luke with an elite center. Right. And I kept thinking, and in my mock offseason that I did, I was set on this. The Mavs acquiring Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. Instead, they, they got Christian Wood, who apparently they're going to play at the four mm-hmm. because they signed JaVale McGee to start at the five. Mm-hmm. So Christian Wood, he wasn't all that great playing alongside Shangun last year when they both started in Houston. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do you have any kind of insight on what the Mavs are? Because they, they came out and said, Jason Kidd said, JaVale McGee is our starting center. We gave him a three-year deal. Right. So I don't love that they gave a 34-year-old center <laughs> who's a career backup. Right. Uh, three year, I mean, it's only $18 million. So it's right. not it's like a whole ton of money. They gave him the tax by limit level. Right. But the idea, I mean, is is it that's something that's gonna be sustainable starting JaVale at the five and Christian at the four when you have Maxi Kleber and Dwight Powell coming off the I mean, I just I don't see how this big man rotation is gonna play itself out quite yet. Yeah, I so based off of everything that they've said so far, as far as JaVel McGee getting the starting spot, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if season starts and that's your starting front court is JaVel at the five and Christian Wood at the four based off of what they've been saying. Um, and there are a couple of layers to this that I want to that I want to kind of dive into. So bear with me here. But um, to start the season, yeah, not going to be surprised if that happens as time goes on. I expect the best starting lineup to be Luca, Dinwiddie, Reggie Bullock. Dorian Finney-Smith, Christian Wood. I think that that's their best route. It gives them the secondary playmaking, gives them the defensive versatility. Christian Wood, not exactly known for his defense, but I think that that will be the best option for them. Um, And then I would expect Dwight Powell's minutes off the bench to kind of decrease as JaVale McGee kind of takes over that role. Um, and, And like you said, JaVel McGee is a guy that, you know, you can kind of plug in and, and he can, he provides a very specific role, but is he necessarily your true starting five? I don't know about that. I will say having a guy like Luca, Luca just makes your life easier and can get you by the rim. And so if he's, I, I mean, I think a lot of people would say JaVel McGee uh, could be, it's difficult. I, I, let's go with this. He could be a more elite role man than Dwight Powell. He has more size. He He's more athletic. Um, the thing about Dwight Powell that makes him so effective is how Dwight Powell can handle the three on two situations when he catches the ball off the roll at the free throw line. That's where Dwight might have him be. But I think Javel's size and his athleticism with Luca is going to bode well for them because Javel is a prototype that they have not had, um, in a minute. And, and granted they had a, they had Porzingis who was tall, had the, had the reach, had the blocking ability, but it's, they're, they're so different. They're such different players. And I think there was a, a load ask or a load management aspect to Porzingis and his defensive role that will not be the same case with Javel. So for McGee, I think it's going to be up to him to kind of continue to be, to, to maintain the role of starting center, but I just don't necessarily see it happening because I do think that they're, um, most effective starting lineup will be the one that I mentioned previously. Uh, but another thing about JaVel McGee and signing him to the three years, um, 18, roughly 18 million that they signed him to when it first got announced, I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled. I really wasn't because I was like, surely he is not our starting five man. I, that's not what I want to see. I don't think that that's the best way for them to go, but as time has gone by, I've kind of taken a step back from it and I've said, okay, they needed to go out and get a true five. That was seven feet tall, has some paint presence. They had to go out and do that. And for them to get someone like JaVel McGee, JaVel McGee is the type of guy that signs with the Lakers. The, the 76ers, the Suns, the the Nets, like he's not looking at Dallas. So to go out and try and get a veteran uh, center that has experience playing in different systems and playing specific roles um, based on the matchup has playoff experience the whole, the whole nine, you have to go overpay. You have to pay for multiple years because otherwise he's just going to go sign the minimum for one to two years in one of these bigger market teams that has a better chance at winning a title. So for Dallas specifically, I think the only way that they were going to get one of those, those guys that they had their eye on was to maybe slightly overpay them. I will say it will absolutely floor me if JaVel McGee is still on the team by the end of this contract. Okay. And again, you mentioned 
Luca makes life easier, especially for a guy like JaVale. Right. And I will mention, even though he's 34 years old, JaVale, when DeAndre Aiden missed like 15, 20 games this year, JaVale filled in admirably alongside Chris Paul. Right. So, you know, maybe at least this year, it's not going to be as bad as, you know, people anticipate. <laughs> right. Uh, well, we'll see. So uh, I did, I did want to say this, but now that we're on the um, topic of the starting lineup, mm-hmm. what do you think the best closing lineup is going to be? The best closing lineup, I do kind of tend to stick with the Luca, Dinwiddie, uh, Reggie, Dorian, Christian Wood. I do think that that will be their best route. I think obviously it could change depending on the matchup. There could be nights when Christian Wood does not find himself in that lineup because they need to go a little bit bigger. Maybe they need to have a little bit more of a paint presence with um, JaVale McGee or, or, or maybe even Maxi. Um, so I do think that it's definitely open to change. Um I will be interested to see how they go about Tim Hardaway Jr.'s role right off the bat. If for some reason, whether it be because they want to raise his value because they need Spencer Dinwiddie running the second unit, whatever the case may be, I do want to see early on in the season, if they give Tim Hardaway Jr. an opportunity to start to surround Luca with shooters and with defense, and maybe even try a a lineup, whether it be a closing lineup or even a starting lineup of Luca, Tim, Reggie, um, and then Dorian, Christian Wood, or um, Christian Wood, uh, JaVale McGee. I don't necessarily think that that would be their best lineup, but it really wouldn't shock me to see if they give Tim Hardaway that opportunity to kind of re-solidify his spot in the starting lineup the way he had um, before signing the contract extension and then after signing the contract contract extension, and then uh, unfortunately when he had the injury. So I'll be interested to see how they treat that. I just don't know that for Tim specific, specifically and for the Mavs that he will find himself starting many games. Yeah. I mean, I envision, I, I asked the same question, so I'm going to answer the question as well. Uh-huh. I think, again, I, I don't know whether they would go Tim Hardaway Jr. or Reggie Bullock or go. I agree with the other three. I agree with Luca, Dinwiddie, and DFS. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be one of Bullock or Tim Hardaway Jr. Given Hardaway's coming off that major injury, I'll give my um, I'll go for Bullock right now. Mm-hmm. But I think Kleber. I mean, he had that playoff game. I, maybe it's recency bias that he had that playoff game where he had like seven threes, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, I, I just feel like defensively, Kleber is probably the best option. But again, I, I think it's definitely going to depend on matchup. Yeah, I think it'll definitely depend on the matchup as far as shooter wings mm-hmm. they will the, the the favor will lean towards Reggie Bullock because he plays more effectively on both sides of the ball um and having the kind of boost that Tim brings you offensively to where he can he has improved in the mid-range and he can shoot in contested uh situations more effectively than Reggie can um I think that they will enjoy having that coming off of the bench as opposed to Reggie coming off the bench, uh, which is what was happening last year. They started off the year with Reggie coming off the bench, wasn't really working, put him in the starting lineup. And then as time got on, uh, went on, as Reggie got COVID, got over COVID, he really started to improve in terms of consistency uh, on both ends of the floor, um, being a part of that starting lineup. So I think that that will be their best route. Um, and I would not be surprised at all to see um, Maxi in that closing lineup with uh, Christian Wood from time to time. It is hard for me to envision him in the starting lineup because I think they're either going to want to go bigger with JaVale McGee or I think that they're going to want to have the secondary playmaker. I really that the three starters that I feel very confident about are Luca, Reggie Bullock, and Dorian Finney-Smith. I think Spencer Dinwiddie, you have to have him in there, and ultimately I think he will be in there. But I, I do feel like off the, off the bat, they might go the JaVale McGee starting route, or they might go the Spencer Dinwiddie, go small. Uh, if for some reason maybe they show up at camp, they're running through their lineups, and the lineup that has JaVale McGee in the starting lineup just isn't working. Okay, so... As I said, the Mavs have 14 contracts right now. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's best if they use it on a third point guard, given that, you know, they, they haven't really replaced Brunson. Mm-hmm. There was speculation that Goran Dragic wanted to play with his, you know, Slovenian national team teammate, Luca, And then right. for whatever reason, that didn't come to fruition. I guess Chicago's offering more playing time, which Chicago has a glut of guards in themselves. I don't know how much he's going to play there anyway. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there, there's guys like Kemba Walker out there. And again, I know that's kind of a 
not a taboo name, like Kemba's an awesome guy, but right. You know, he's kind of flamed out in a couple places at this point. So I, I don't know how badly as a third point guard, maybe in a eight to 10 minute per night role, he's mm-hmm. okay. Um, right. But the guy I'm looking at is Dennis Schroeder, but okay. again, Mavs only have a minimum. I don't know. I know Schroeder's still out there, so I don't know if we'll take a minimum or not, mm-hmm. but I don't know how much more he would get paid. So that's the type of guy. I mean, there's DJ Augustine, those Alfred Payton. There's some guys out there you could take a shot on just, just to have a third ball handler on this roster. Right. So do any of those names really stick out? or Personally, to- the names that I'm kind of keeping an eye on for Dallas, um, I actually am a DJ Augustine fan. I do think Kemba Walker is – that's probably the one that I would keep my eye on. I'm not necessarily saying, oh, book it. Um, Right now, the Mavs have an element of um, unpredictability that is very hard to forecast right now because it does seem like they're trying to maybe re just recalibrate and then fix some of these recent issues that have have come to light in the past. But Kemba Walker, I know that there's a relationship there between the Mavericks and him. He was going to come here before he signed with Boston back when Al Horford signed that massive contract to go to Philly. Um, in that offseason, it was expected that Al Horford was going to stay. Boston was going to have no cap space. And it was pretty much all but a done deal that Kemba was going to come to Dallas. Um, and then when the Al Horford thing happened, obviously Kemba goes to Boston. So I know that there is a relationship there. Um, and even though Kemba, like you said, has kind of flamed out in, in, in other situations, he is exactly the type of player that mm-hmm. Dallas would bring in in terms of having the veteran experience, the offensive-minded veteran presence to come in and run an offense, a guy that you could trust. Um, and and honestly, as much as Jason Kidd has come in and has implemented this defensive system and they were a solid defensive unit last year, Ke- the reason I think Kemba could potentially be the, the answer, Kemba or DJ Augustine, I think there are a lot of similarities in terms of undersized, offensive-minded, veteran presence, have played in different systems. And even though their defense isn't exactly there, they do still have Frank Nilakina. And I know that the Mavs and Jason Kidd are very high on him and, and what he brings to the table and how he fits in, uh, especially given what he did in that Phoenix series uh, and kind of how he changed things for Dallas from a defensive standpoint. So I think if they were to go after um, a veteran point guard that they could trust to run the second unit, they will be looking towards an offensive-minded veteran um guy that that they know that they can get on a vet minimum i will say dennis schroeder um that one would shock me if they did that one i as much as it makes sense i don't think that i think that they have concerns about how that would impact the locker room especially with him coming off of the bench in a limited role and making minimum dollars i think that they have concerns about that um so the the three that i would be okay with and the third one, I don't know that it's super likely, but I would be thrilled if it happened. Number one, I'd go Kemba. Mm, oh God, I don't want to bank on DJ Augustine happening because it would really, that would shock me, but I think it's a good choice. And then the last one is Sharif Cooper. I think Sharif Cooper is I a low, on my list as well. he is a low risk, very, like that is something that you go do. If they are very, they've got Sean Sweeney. They are very focused on development. They like, what they've got and they feel like they give young guys opportunities to shine Sharif Cooper. The, the, the past in Atlanta hasn't obviously hasn't been what he hoped it would be. I think taking a low risk swing on him, uh, even if it's just for one year or two years and trying to give him an opportunity, I would love to see them make that move. And I, part of me wonders, and, and this is where the element of unpredictability comes in them just signing um, Riccardi away from the Brooklyn Nets, the 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 scout, uh, one of their lead scouts in Brooklyn, signing him. I do wonder how that changes, you know, who they might use to fill that last roster spot, and if they're going to try and fill it via trade, or if they're going to try and fill it with some of these guys that are still out there in free agency, because there are still plenty of quality names on there that could uh, come in and fill that last spot. Yeah, as you said, Sharif Cooper, he's only twenty one years old. Ended up falling, I believe it was 45 mm-hmm. in the 2020 draft when he was a projected, you know, not borderline lottery, but he, he was like a firm first round pick. Yes. And because of how small he is, he ended up falling after going one and done. Had he gone back to Auburn, I think he would have been top 10 pick this year. Yeah. So it's kind of shocking that a guy like him is available. And it's kind of shocking that maybe his NBA career is already over after one year or two. I don't think it will. I like to bet on guys like Cooper, but. Right. 
but that's definitely somebody he's actually somebody else I had good in down. I just had in, I had failed to mention him. So here's a few potential trade, um, trade targets or trade partners for the Mavs. Mm-hmm. This is my favorite one. And I actually ran it by one of my um, friends who are a Mavs fan. Mm-hmm. So it's a three-teamer where the Mavs would get TJ McConnell from the Pacers. Mm-hmm. That would be, you know, he's beloved in Philadelphia. Yep. And he would fill that third point guard role by Jalen Brunson. Mm-hmm. And they'd also get Bojan Bogdanovich. Okay. And basically, again, I think I know what you're going to tend to say on this. Okay. Because you'd be giving up Reggie Bullock. Mm-hmm. You'd be giving up Davis Berton, so you get off that contract. Mm-hmm. And then you probably have to give up a first to Utah for taking Berton to Bogdanovich. Right. And then probably give Indiana a second for McConnell. Right. So, again, I, I know you're high on Bullock. I, right. You could conceivably put Dwight Powell in there instead of Bullock. Maybe, you know, that would... There's no such thing as too much wing depth nowadays. Right. So maybe that would sway you to do it now that, you know, you kind of have an extra big man. But either way, and something along those lines where you get Bojan, you get TJ, I I love it for the Mavs. Yeah, I think the Mavs would love to have Bogdanovich. I know Luca. there are actually TJ McConnell has, I'll tell you a quick story here. Uh, TJ McConnell has several good relationships with people on the Mavs team. Uh, When the Mavs played the Pacers this last year, um, he obviously was injured and, and was not suited up, but he came out of the locker room during the pregame shoot arounds and he sat for a good minute talking with the Mavs coaching staff, kind of saying hi to guys, dapping guys up. So it was kind of interesting to see um, what players already have previously established relationships with your team. And so um, I did find that to be very interesting. Obviously it doesn't always mean a lot, but you never know. TJ McConnell is, there are so many things about his game that, fits the Mavs identity culture, what they're trying to do. So I would love picking him up, especially at the dollar amount that he has. Um, and given that he's coming off of an, in, uh, an injury. Um, and I think that that is what could help them get him, what makes him attainable. Uh, and then Bogdanovich, obviously, I mean, God, it, it, even in that first, this first series, this last, uh, this last uh, playoff in the, in the first series, Bogdanovich, I mean, there's just not much you can do to stop him when he gets going. And having a guy like that, when you're trying to go deep in the playoffs is huge. So I think the Mavs would absolutely love to have uh, both Boyan and TJ McConnell. I, I really do like those call outs. Um, I don't, the thing for the Mavericks is moving off of Reggie Bullock is not something that I think that they would have interest in unless it were something that could significantly change their path forward like the Russell Westbrook trade that we were talking about and I don't know that Boyan necessarily does that for them um even if even with the added value of moving off of the Bertans contract I just don't know that that's necessarily enough of a trade-off for them um and so if you look at doing a Dwight Powell and then adding more draft compensation I think that could get interesting but I still think that they could potentially um, I don't know that that would be enough for them there because for Dallas trying to set themselves up. Yeah. You want to set yourselves up financially, but you also, the, the biggest thing on their, on their, I guess, long-term plan is how to get that number two. And if you're giving up draft compensation just to bring in more depth, really, I don't know that that's necessarily in their best interest because the path to that number two becomes even more complex when you have even less draft assets. So those names, maybe even individually, I would keep an eye on because um, like you mentioned with Dwight Powell, he is on an expiring contract and with JaVale McGee potentially coming off of the bench as the, as time goes on, Dwight Powell's role may diminish and that may make him even more movable come trade deadline time. And for a team like Utah, that's looking to, uh, get expiring money and, and, and get draft assets. I really do think that that's something that Dallas might try and entertain. What about Kobe white from Chicago? That's the next guy on my list. Oh, I love that. He's, he's definitely attainable given yep. that they're going to have to pay either him or, um, Ayo Desumu. I right. actually went on the, um, sports ethos bulls coverage podcast yesterday to talk about, mm-hmm. you know, if Desumu could basically be their version of Jalen Johnson and they lose him after drafting him because, he was second, a yeah. second round pick, essentially. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, is Kobe White? I have here Kobe White for Josh Green and Nita Kina. Okay. Um, 
I would love that trade for Dallas. Okay. I, I, the thing I have been talking about Kobe white for a good minute because of the situation in Chicago, like you mentioned the log jam that they have at guard and the fact that he's eligible for an extension, he's in the final year of his deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kobe white is, and um, they're already paying a bunch of guys. Why pay one more? So Josh green, as much as I love Josh green, he's a guy that I think for a lot of teams who are looking at having to extend some of their rookies. He's a good potential swap for not, a, not necessarily a one for one, like you mentioned. Uh, but even if it were Josh green, Frank Nilakina and a second or two seconds, I don't think they'd trade a first for him. I really don't, but a couple of seconds to get in Kobe white. I absolutely think that they would do that. And, and, and Kobe is, he is another guy that it really would fit well in Dallas's system. I think he'd get more of a solidified role, um, whether Spencer Dinwiddie, how that would impact that. Um, I don't know. I personally, I would like Kobe white in that starting lineup with Spencer coming off of the bench, just because Spencer has proven that he's so solid in a six man role for longer than Kobe white has. Um, I absolutely think Kobe is something to watch because I know that the bull, I also know for a fact that the bulls have had interest in Maxi Kleba uh, in the past. And so that money works. I don't think Dallas would necessarily be in any hurry to move off of Maxi. Uh, but if it becomes apparent that, I mean, as much as they love Maxi, he's at the age that he's at, you kind of have an idea of what his ceiling is. And at some point you got to reshuffle the deck. If you really want to try and take this next step forward and Kobe white still being as young as he is, that could be a potential option for them. So Kobe white, um, definitely more so than TJ and more so than Boyan is a name that I would absolutely watch come trade deadline time. I think that there will, it would, it would not surprise me at all if there's reported interest, um, leading up to that February, whatever day, uh, the deadline is. And the other guy I have listed on here that I think would be really intriguing would be a signing trade involving Colin Sexton. Yes. Um, so I have explored that path a couple of times. Um, but because of the base year compensation rule, it's very complex. Mm-hmm. Um, Dallas would have to trade out, trade away what would probably the, make the most sense in terms of need and money matching would be Tim Hardaway Jr. And for that to happen, um, Cleveland would obviously have to take on Tim Hardaway Jr. And that would take them over the salary cap and put them into the luxury tax. And um, from what I've learned, um, listening to and even talking to some of my Cavalier people um it's very that's their they do not want to do that that's priority number one is to stay out of the luxury tax so um if some sort of three-team trade came about i do think it would be possible that maybe if you're redirecting that money somewhere um even whether it be somewhere like san antonio or um or indiana or so yeah somewhere to try and um redirect that money even if that means sending draft compensation, I do think that they would consider doing that. I feel like there has been mutual interest between Colin and the Mavericks, but the pathways to make it happen are very complex. Um, And as of right now, my read on the Colin Sexton situation is that his best option is to just take the qualifying offer and then bet on himself. And so he can enter unrestricted free agency the following summer. And maybe at that point, if Dallas has cleared the space, maybe that's something that they reconsider then. Uh, but as of right now, they would really have to do some maneuvering and, and juggling in order to make a sign and trade work for Colin. Yeah. Sexton was always a guy I envisioned getting squeezed just because I didn't think he was going to end up back in Cleveland unless he took mm-hmm. the qualifying offer because right. of the fact that they traded for Karis LeVert and yeah. You know, they have Gollum there already. They wanted Rubio back. They got him. Yep. It's going to be interesting to see. Yes, for sure. Um, Okay. So the next guys on my list, I have Alec Burks and Hamidou Diallo from the Pistons. Yeah. So big fans of both of them. I do feel like Hami has, he's definitely shown improvement in Detroit. Mm -hmm. I know that they like him there, but I do kind of feel like he is as time has gone on become less and less important to their long-term plans even though he is young he has shown improvement um and he's like he's played well uh him and Alec Burks despite just trading him even though it looks like they want to have Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks as a part of their system and and see where that kind of takes them those are absolutely two guys um two of many in Detroit that I think are going to be available come trade deadline time Um, And the thing about Detroit is that those two guys specifically, uh, I do feel like 
many teams around the league are going to be looking at them saying, hey, those are a couple of guys or maybe one guy, whether it's Kelly Olenek, uh, Nerlens Noel, Alkberg's, Hamid Diallo, whoever the case may be, that could really help kind of round out our roster. And for Dallas specifically, um, it does look like their number one. Yes, we've talked a lot about ball handlers and bringing in that kind of last ball handler to round things out. But I don't think Dallas is ever going to turn uh, turn down or even not seek out um, solid wings or wings that have promise or look like, hey, if you can just get a little bit more consistency from outside, we believe that in our system, you could be a really solid player. And I absolutely think Hamid Diallo is one of those guys because of his youth. And Alec Burks has proven that he's one of those guys. And and yet again, another guy that can fit into many different systems. So yeah, I, I would, I think Dallas would love one or even both of those if they had the opportunity. Burks could also, you know, cover like that secondary ball handler type guy. I know Brunson's more of a primary guy, but I'm saying more so like alongside Luca. He could kind yeah. of be that third guy. He started seeing as a point guard. He can handle. Yep. Yeah, he can handle a bit. He's he's decent. And 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 the thing about, I mean, Alec, probably more so than Hami, is that um I don't think, well, I, I guess you could say the same for Hami. I really don't think it would cost that much to get either of them. Alec Burks is a guy that I think could be an in for a similar Terrence Ross type situation where he isn't on a contending team, at least for now. Um, But there are going to be several teams that have interest in him. I think it will really just be a matter of Troy Weaver and the Detroit Pistons saying, okay, this is the best that we think we can get for him, you know, over the course of however many, however long that they think that they could potentially be shopping him. So for Dallas, um, again, the Dwight Powell contract comes up is one that I believe matches pretty well Um, for Hami. uh, it could vary a little bit what route they might go to try and if they, uh, unless they were to try and do both of them. Um, but uh, yeah, I definitely think for Dallas trying to add wings, because when they were, for example, when they were going up against Phoenix, one of the, I mean, Phoenix was kind of um, prepped for the moment more so than the Mavericks were. But the thing about Phoenix that was, or one of the things about Phoenix that was so troublesome for Dallas was the number of versatile wings that they had. And Dallas has several wings that they, that they really like, but having a couple of more, whether it be one of Alec Burks or Hami or both of them, I do think would be really solid pickups for the Mavericks. And, and, and again, two that are cost friendly and for Dallas right now, that is as good as they can ask for, because again, they just don't have that many draft assets to give. And even players that might cost a first round pick or might be worthy of a first round pick, Dallas is likely going to be I hesitant to move off of them just because they are still waiting for that opportunity to arise to try and go out and get that second star. And then you just mentioned Terrence Ross. He's actually on my yeah. list as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think let's talk about him now. Yeah, absolutely. Terrence is uh, the personality the experience, the scoring. I think Dallas would love to have him. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is someone that I would not be surprised if he warranted a first round pick and really more so because I think the bidding war is naturally, I think every off or excuse me, every trade deadline, there's a bit of a bidding war for Terrence Ross because he's someone that multiple teams feel that they could use on a championship roster to add to that wing depth. Uh, But I think, my gut says that teams have been hesitant to offer up a first round pick or I think you would have been traded if they had. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know if that changes for Orlando, especially as they continue to add more and more of these high draft picks, they're seeing improvement, even from someone like Cole Anthony, who wasn't one of their number uh, top 10 draft picks, but is somebody that's coming along. Well, RJ Hampton, another guy. Um, So maybe that helps kind of, lower the value on Terrence Ross makes him more attainable. I think Dallas would love to have him. Uh, but when you have a guy like that and a lot of teams that could use him, it's very hard to be the team that ultimately comes away with that guy. Yeah. And Orlando, I know he wasn't expiring. So maybe now at this point, since Ross is expiring, mm-hmm. I think Orlando kind of shot themselves in the foot by taking lower, yeah. second rounders for Evan Fournier when he wasn't expiring. Yes. Now it kind of set the precedent that, okay, now they're going to have to do the same for Terrence Ross. Yeah. No, okay, well, for two seconds then, and we'll attain it that way. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I would also I would also maybe even go as far to say that Evan Fournier, when he was available, was more value than Terrence Ross is. Um, and I am a big fan of Terrence Ross, but at the time when Orlando went on that fire sale and moved off of Gordon, Vucevic, and Evan Fournier all in one fell swoop, 
Um, I think that was the time to really cash out on those assets. I was glad they sold on them individually. I think that's the way to maximize your return value. But I was very disappointed to not see them get a first round pick um, for Evan Fournier. And even Mm -hmm. Wendell Carter Jr. has proven to be fantastic. But the pick protections that were on the Chicago pick going to Orlando could have very easily not conveyed um, and could have gone back to Chicago that that year that they ended up, I believe, getting Jalen Suggs. So, um, well, I think they got with that pick, they got Franz Wagner. They, oh, they did. It was Wagner. It was Wagner. with their own pick. And then, yes, it was Wagner. Wagner. Thank you for correcting me. Thank you for correcting me. Um, and so, yeah, for, for Orlando, I think that there's reason to believe that maybe they don't necessarily handle this, handle this situation the best that they could. And so I think that between the expiring, um, the log jam in terms of trying to develop some of these young guys, I do think that that could potentially lower his value. Um, and for Terrence specifically, I do think it will ultimately be two second round picks. Yeah. I'm completely on board there. Um, a few guys I'm going to bottle together, different teams, but I I don't want to say similar guy because one's more of an, Ty Jerome from OKC, who's more of an on ball guy, could be the third point guard. Yep. And then Luke Kennard from the Clippers. Okay. The Mavs don't really have, you know, that one lights out. They have a bunch of good shooters. But right. they don't have, like, a Luke Kennard level 42 43% shooter from three on high volume sure. type guy. Sure. So with Ty Jerome, I'll start with Ty Jerome. I really like him out of Virginia. Kind of a just a winner, coachable guy. Um I would not, and, and had a really solid year in OKC and has shown improvement. I would not mind seeing them go that route, especially another guy that's that's younger. For Luke Kennard, it's a little bit different because the contract is unfavorable mm-hmm. for LA. So if they want to try and go the Luke Kennard route, I would not at all be mad to see them do Dwight Powell for Luke Kennard, but the Dallas, that that is a perfect opportunity for them to get draft compensation in return. Even though LA is going to be really solid, it looks like moving forward, maybe even uh, competing for a championship this year. I, that would not surprise me at all. Um, if you're going to make the move for Luke Kennard, I think the best way to do it is to, well, one, the only reason that they're going to do it is to alleviate themselves of the the financial burden that he's adding to their luxury tax situation. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to be looking for an expiring deal. And for Dallas, Dwight Powell matches that money really well. Um, they don't necessarily need a big, but I think doing that would be a good deal for both sides from a financial standpoint. And for Dallas, um, even though, you know, you are that, that contract isn't necessarily a solid one. The years are continuing to go by. It's kind of getting down towards the end. Um, and that could be an opportunity for them to, like you said, acquire a high volume lights out shooter. He hasn't necessarily had the most consistent role in LA, but you would like to think if they make that move, they've already decided that there will be a spot for him in the rotation. Um, and again, playing in a five out system like Dallas, that just opens things up for shooters. I think he would do well here. Um, and again, the big, the biggest, biggest thing out of that is an opportunity for Dallas to acquire draft compensation. I think that that would be a very underrated move for them. And one that again, would not shock me because for Dallas, as much as we're talking about them, you know, in one, in one breath, talking about them compiling these long-term contracts to get someone like Russell Westbrook. And then here we are in another conversation Mm -hmm. talking about them sending their expiring for a guy who has multiple years, those are both the similarity in those situations is that they could potentially both get draft compensation in return for both of those deals. And for Dallas, it's all about finding the time where you have the draft assets to be in the conversation and then the money to either match contracts or even potentially go out and sign someone um, to really kind of time it all right, get everything to line up and kind of get that bit, your biggest goal off of your checklist um, taken care of. And so um even though those are kind of opposite situations in terms of money, uh, long-term money getting moved, going out, or even coming in. For Dallas, I think acquiring draft compensation is going to be a big goal of theirs moving forward. And then the last, I have three guys bundle that all recently got traded to a rebuilding situation. Mm -hmm. So we already talked about Bojan Bogdanovich. We have Malik Beasley, who has a player option next year, so he could have into the cap space. Or no, he is a team option Malik Beasley so he might be the most ideal out of these three because okay. then I've had Jordan Clarkson who has a player mm-hmm. option mm-hmm. and then Patrick Beverly's an expiring so yeah. if the goal is cap space and you probably don't want Clarkson even right. though he would be that third ball handler microwave scorer type guy that we talked about with Kemba Walker right yeah I think ideally out of those three from a fit perspective they'd like to get Jordan Clarkson yeah the 
the cost that it's going to take Jordan to get Jordan Clarkson, I don't think the Mavericks are willing to pay. Um, I think they'll get outbid there. Malik Beasley is a good one because he is essentially on an expiring deal, same as Patrick Beverly, uh, like you mentioned. But Malik Beasley is more of what they need, a guy that can kind of heat up somewhat similar to Tim Hardaway Jr. and in, in the way that he can come off the bench and just light it up and just as easily step into a starting role if someone's hurt or if he even just earns it himself, which I don't necessarily see that happening with this uh, the current Dallas roster. Um, but he would be a really solid wing player that they would rely on come playoff time to really kind of help uh, those non-Luka minutes. So uh, Malik is definitely the one out of those, even though we've been talking about them needing another ball handler. Um, Patrick Beverly would be a solid addition. Wouldn't surprise me there. They've been linked to him in the past when LA wasn't going to pay him. There was a lot of uh, buzz between him and Dallas. Uh, He was complimenting Luka a lot. Um, So there's just, there's definitely something there. Um, wouldn't surprise me if they made the move for Patrick Beverly as opposed to Malik Beasley. But my personal opinion is that there are more options and um, offensive minded point guards are more easily to replace or are, are more easy to replace than scoring wing shooters um, that are either expiring at the end of their deals, not making super high dollar value. Um, those are are harder to come by. Uh, so I do think when you're looking at a rebuild situation um, and are, are considering trade targets, if they have those kind of wing scoring, guy, another guy is even someone like Doug McDermott, who's mm-hmm. um, score like, like he, that's another perfect scenario of a guy who um, surrounding Luca with shooters, Luca's going to be on the floor a ton. Spencer Dinwiddie, another guy going to be on the floor a ton. And so one of those two, you have to imagine as of right now is always going to be on the floor for Dallas or very few minutes where they won't be. So you're going to need shooters out there because they play with so much space. And these are all guys um, that I do think could potentially be options for Dallas if they want to try and add more wing depth. And as I, I, I sound like a broken record at this point, I <laughs> said it on this episode. I say it at least once every episode. Mm-hmm. You cannot have enough wing depth in today's NBA. You just it's true. It's wings league. Look at the Clippers. I mean, they have Paul George and Kawhi. They still have Luke Kennard. They still have. I'm already, of course, already blanking on names after three guys. They yeah, Norman Powell, Stewart, Norman right. Powell, Covington, Batum. Yep. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. How many? I'm getting a phone call. Um, <laughs> Terrence Mann. They just have yeah. so many freaking guys. So, and again, they all play the wing. Yep. So, yeah, um, exactly. Again, can't have enough of it. So, yeah. what are your expectations for the Mavs going into this year? I mean, obviously, they just made the Western Conference Finals, but mm-hmm. as you said in the beginning of this podcast, mm-hmm. Minnesota got better. Um, the Pelicans pretty much stayed pats. I'm already drawing blanks. Portland got better. I know they're coming from the bottom, but they added Jeremy Grant. I mean, mm-hmm. Utah obviously got worse, and San Antonio was already out of the playoffs to begin with. Right. But with all these teams loading up, even in the East, you have Boston, you have Philly. It's harder than ever to win the championship, I feel. Sure. Absolutely. So, irrespective of what Brooklyn does, I think. And Brooklyn might even make it even tougher because they're going to load up another contending team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, where do you think Dallas stands? I mean, where do you think they go? Denver's healthy now. Clippers are healthy now. Where exactly does Dallas stand in at least the Western Conference hierarchy? Are they a top four seed? Are they a top six seed? It, it's it's very tough to pay because they're a one-man show with a bunch of yep. where everybody in the West has two guys, three guys. It's it's very difficult to gauge, it seems like. Yeah, definitely difficult. Um so I and 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 bear with me here because I so when you have a guy like Luca, you can't necessarily rule anything out. But when you're looking at the West right now, it's very and I mean very difficult for me to picture them finishing top four. I really I have trouble seeing that be the case. Um I would, wouldn't be surprised to see him in the plan. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, I would, I would put them anywhere between fifth and eighth. Okay. Uh, that's kind of where I see them right now. Um, losing Jalen Brunson obviously hurt. Everyone's talked about that. We all know how that affects Dallas um, and their guard depth, the secondary ball handler, all of it. But having someone like Spencer Dinwiddie, who was somewhat of an insurance policy 
to step up and potentially be the secondary ball handler in the starting lineup next to Luca going out, getting Christian Wood, who's going to give you more points production and add to that on a night to night basis from an offensive standpoint helps losing Jay when it comes to losing Jalen Brunson. And then even going out and getting JaVel McGee and finally having a seven foot big man uh, to have somewhat of a paint presence, something that they haven't really had um, in years past. Um, say what you want about Chris House Porzingis, but having Javel, like they are a different team than last year, but given what they've brought in versus what they've lost, I think it's all come out pretty evenly. The Jalen Brunson thing really just hurts in terms of trying to take the next step forward long-term. That's mm -hmm. where it really hurts. But in terms of what they'll be able to do next season, I don't think that they're going to take too much of a step back. It's really more about the other teams and the step forward that those teams are taking um so so for Dallas I just I think that they because they haven't really made a step forward they're going to really see Denver Minnesota New Orleans LA pass them by potentially maybe mm -hmm. maybe not New Orleans maybe New Orleans New Orleans is stacked like yeah. they are in a very good position uh from a roster standpoint I believe I just covered them on on, on my podcast and I believe I counted that they had 11 solid rotation players and that did not include Kira Lewis or Willie Hernan Gomez so um they're no joke either you cannot just brush by them if you're Dallas and just assume that they're going to be behind you because the West is tough so um for the Mavericks I would not be surprised to see them be buyers wouldn't be surprised to see them be sellers they've got a lot to figure out but in terms of success I think you never know what's going to happen pending your team's injuries, pending, pending other teams' injuries, and how that can completely shake up the playoff picture. But a Western Conference Finals repeat trip, I wouldn't put your money on that one. Yeah. So, again, that that's why I bring you on. Because yeah. I when, when I say, oh, Mavs are going to suck as a Sixers fan, people get mad at me. And you're not saying well, they're going to suck. you're always going to have no. somebody mad at you. You're always going to have yeah. somebody. So I get it. Believe so, me, I get it. So thank you for biting that bullet for me. But for yeah, sure. I'm in the same boat. I think I'm projecting them as either the six or the seven seed right now, just because yeah. of how good Luca is. And it's yeah. a shame because in a lot of it sports is. books, Luca's favorite to win MVP. Mm -hmm. And aside from Jokic this year and Westbrook, his MVP year, we haven't seen an MVP from a six seed or later in mm -hmm. what, 20 something years. Yep. So Luca's absolutely phenomenal and he definitely deserves better. But I, I did this episode to kind of shine light on the fact that, okay, look, after this year, you might have max cap space and mm -hmm. that's when you could bring in that second guy. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's even why a couple of weeks ago before, more of the Kyrie to LA buzz was generating. Um, and there was rumored interest between the Mavericks and uh, I, I, with Kyrie as a potential mm -hmm. target. A lot of Mavs fans were like, we do not want Kyrie Irving here. We do not feel like that's a good combo. Um, but as time has gone on, I think fans are really kind of starting to see the light in terms of what their reality is from a financial standpoint, because if you're looking at this last year and yes, obviously Tim Hardaway Jr. was hurt, but even with the way the lineup shook out, if he had been healthy, he probably would have continued to come off of the bench, which would have meant you would have had Davis Bertans, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Spencer Dinwiddie all coming off of your bench, making over between 15 and $20 million. Mm -hmm. That's atrocious. You yeah. cannot build a championship roster with your roster constructed that way. And so as time has gone on, I think people are really starting to see that, hey, at some point, you're probably going to have to take a step backward to really reset uh, because you can't just let these contracts expire. You can't just let their value uh, the ones in those expiring deals, because I want actually, let me draw attention to this. If they were to somehow do the Russell Westbrook trade, which it's very hard for me to see it happening, even though there are so many pluses for them to do it, I would do it today. If I had the opportunity um, from a, strictly from a financial standpoint, uh, if they were to do that going into next year, they'd have the cap space and they would also have, if they were to do the no draft picks, uh, Tim Hardaway, Jr., Davis Bertans, Dwight Powell deal for Russ, no picks. Um, if they were to do that, they would have the cap space, Spencer Dinwiddie and Reggie Bullock on expiring deals. Mm -hmm. That would be an incredible position, incredible position to find themselves in, in comparison to now yeah. in terms of avenues 
to try and build yourself a, con- a championship contending roster, assuming the natural organic development with Luca. So um, I think names that are also provide pathways, Tobias Harris next year, not this year, Kevin Love this year. There are several, there are always, always, always going to be names of guys that are quote unquote way overpaid there. And, and, and you can use that as an opportunity to go out. And, and the reason I say Kevin Love is because Cleveland knows that they are not in a position to um, compete for a championship. They know they have to wait for their timeline and they're very aware of it. And I think it's a very um, similarly to Toronto, the way that they know they see what their timeline is. I have a lot of respect for that. And so for a team like Cleveland, that wants to try and add wing depth without potentially way going over the salary cap or just swapping that contract out for now. I do think something like a Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, contract, um, something along those lines, obviously you have white pals with Kevin loves. Exactly. You have one guy expiring, you have wing depth to add to a team that you want to be competitive with, but while still understanding that, Hey, you know, it's not our time yet. And that's the type of move for them that would clear the books for Dallas, would benefit them. Um, and so it, it's the things like that that I'm going to keep an eye on for Dallas. And I think Kevin Love could even make more sense than Russell Westbrook, as crazy as that might sound, strictly because I think Dallas would anticipate that they would probably have to buy out Russell Westbrook just from... It's so hard because I know that there are a lot, quote-unquote, locker room concerns, but there are many teammates of Russell Westbrook's that love him. I love them. So I... I'm having trouble seeing where the disconnect is with Dallas specifically um, because we've seen Russell Westbrook work next to James Harden as the dive man um, when they played small. I just, right now, if you're Dallas, you're not in a position to be like, it's a beggars can't be choosers situation. And if for some reason, Luca got hurt and for some reason, whatever you could rely on a Russell Westbrook to put up numbers and get you wins. So like I said, while it might make sense on paper, I just don't see that. I don't see Russell Westbrook playing in, in a Mavericks uniform as of today. I can always be wrong. In my opinion, you can always be wrong. You can always change your mind later on. But as of today, I don't see that happening. Um, but I hope to see them maybe switch up a little bit and consider this trade more. Um, and then I guess the last thing I want to say on all of it is that one thing about Dallas is they typically try and handle their business in the dark. The Porzingis trade came out of nowhere. They weren't even on the initial list. They try to handle their business in the dark. And anytime they're linked to a player, it typically comes from another source that's really just trying to draw leverage for their player's situation. So um, something might come out of the blue, who knows? But as of right now, um, I don't I don't know that you can reasonably predict a big move to happen, but at the same time, they haven't filled that roster spot yet. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. And I don't know. I I know you said you don't see Westbrook in a Dallas uniform, even if you do the trade, just because Mm of, you know, all the logistics behind it, but it's a similar thing that John Wall struggled with is once you become that buyout type guy, that's who you are now. Like, you 100%. can't go back to stardom. So it really wouldn't shock me. Westbrook bit the ball, said, you know what? I have one year here. Let me play my heart out. Be a good locker room guy. Dallas is a competitive team. So I don't know how much better of a situation I could be in, in terms of competing for a championship. hundred percent. Yeah. So, I, th- I think there's a lot. I think you could draw a lot of comparisons to the Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal duo in Washington to what a Luca, um, Russ duo would look like in Mm -hmm. Dallas strictly from having your clear number one star on a team that's trying to be competitive uh, in the playoffs and get to the playoffs really. So I think there are similarities there as far as how the duo would operate and how the teams would operate. I think there'd be a lot of differences, but for Russ specifically, I think you bring up a great point that once you become that buyout guy, it's very difficult to come You're back. You're a minimum that. guy. At that yeah. Point. You well, look at, look at John season. Wall, look at, uh, look at John Wall, look at Kemba even, and look mm-hmm. at even, uh, Dennis Schroeder. God, you could even use that as an example, not necessarily yeah. a max guy, but like dropped the ball for 84 signed for the MLE now still has no team. So mm-hmm. it's very, it's a very slippery slope in the NBA. And, and then I think the last thing that a lot of Mavs people have been talking about, but we have yet to discuss it is really, um, Mark Cuban back in the OKC Russ days said that Russell Westbrook was not a superstar. And I absolutely think that there's a part of that that could be 
coming into play um, even today. And when it comes to Dallas considering um, making that move and uh, paying him all of that money, especially if he were to come in and say, you know what, a buyout is in the boat, the best of our, or both of our best interests. I am on the same page as you. I don't necessarily think that if he gets traded to a team like Dallas, that a buyout would be in his best interest, but sometimes you just never know. Yeah. And again, I reiterate all those sentiments. Yeah. So Lauren, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, here's an opportunity for you to plug everything that you're working on, everything you're doing. So sure. floor is yours. Yeah. Thank Well, first, thank you so much for having me. This was, this was great. I always, always, always love trade scenarios. They are my number one favorite thing to talk about. So thank you for, for giving me the opportunity to go on about those. Um, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at the Lauren gun that's gun with two ends. I do, uh, co-host the gunshot podcast with my brother, Grant gun. We do our best to try and really cover every team. Um, our biggest thing is we're covering all teams regardless of market size. So if you are a fan of a team that does not get, get the best, uh, you know, national media coverage, we try to get you covered there. Um, and yeah, we are always looking to chat with different people covering different teams, uh, and just, just expand the audience really. So, so come chat with us. Uh, DMS are open for any player team you want discussed. Um, and yeah, come check us out. Okay. You guys could find me on Twitter at bird rights pod. I'm actually starting a TikTok, Um, so you could follow that as well. Um, at bird rights pod, and I'm going to be, you know, showing clips of, you know, segments I'm doing, podcasts I'm recording, little bits and pieces. So um, again, Marlon, thank you so much for coming out. Um, I always appreciate it. You are the first guest of my 30 teams I'm going to be covering. Oh, wow. season. So we got off to a great start. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening, guys. Rate and, view, rate and review me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and I will talk to you next episode.